You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, I know for a fact we did not expect this to be our first off-season edition. No, we sure didn't. Yeah, we sure didn't. Yeah. And we're on the brink of a snowstorm in Kansas City. So if if there's one thing I will tell you, it's don't let this terrible loss distract you from getting the bread and the milk. You got to get to the store. <laughs> what, if, what if you don't get there and you're hungry and you don't have milk? So make, make sure you take care of that if you're listening in Kansas City. Right, John? Well, I'm sure there'll be a run on tissues. I think people used a lot of tissues after the yes. game on Sunday night. So there could be a shortage of those when you go to the store to stock up before the snowstorm. I do want to cast a wide net on how we're feeling in, in a few segments here. It's going to be a little bit of a different editor show, by the way, a little bit looser. Look, this is us just grabbing a beer, talking about the season before we get into what is going to be an extensive Chiefs offseason. But I think more than sad, and I've talked to a few Chiefs fans about this, some of my friends, I I think I'm just feeling like more numb. I, I don't even know in my head if it's clicked in that I'm not going to Los Angeles and that we're not preparing for a game because we're still covering press conferences as of today. We had Andy Reid on, on Monday and Brett Beach on Tuesday, which we'll talk about. Maybe it'll get to Thursday and I'll have an afternoon to just go do whatever I want. And then I'll start to realize, like, they actually lost this freaking game. You know, that that's kind of what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> well, it is weird when you're uh, when it changes your life as dramatically as it does for us once again it's all about us yeah um who cares it is it is it it does put a different perspective on it than if you're just a fan and you're upset because the team lost the game um but you know that doesn't i don't want to make it sound like uh that isn't important because it is you know a lot of people live and die by the chiefs and uh and i respect their fandom and how they feel about it um, I know it's been very rough for a lot of folks uh, because we certainly did expect to win this game. Um, and maybe we shouldn't have, you know, looking back on it, maybe we should have, should have seen the signs better than we did. But well, I the think fact it's of the fair, matter is, yeah, yeah I mean, I, it's seven, seven, seven and a half point favorites. Uh, yeah. You kind of go in, whether you're a reporter or a fan and yeah, it may get interesting, but at the end of the day, a touchdown favorite in the title game, you kind of expect that the Chiefs are going to advance. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was fair to expect that. I think it's fair to say maybe we shouldn't have. You know, I, but it, that's true. But, you know, that's true of any championship game. You know, you're going to have two good teams in there, and the thing really could go either way. And if you don't accept that going into it, then you're bound to be really disappointed. Um, 
I, I won't say that I was totally in on accepting that. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I was a bit shell-shocked well, at the end of the when, game. <laughs> when you get to the conference championship weekend, I always say this, and I just, I don't know if I completely forgot. I mean, I had said it a little bit, but maybe less than recent years, where you get to the final floor, you don't know what can happen because the teams mm-hmm. are playing really well at that point. They've played well enough to get there. It's two teams that are already playing their heart out. There's no tomorrow, essentially. And anything that can happen did happen to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. We'll get into that. But uh, all that sad news, we do have some happy news. And that's, of course, our reviews. If you leave us a review, this is going to continue through the offseason. We're still working on our, our offseason podcast schedule. But I believe John and I will be joining you at least once a week to talk about Chiefs news as we get into draft season and free agency and whatnot. So, uh, long story short, if you leave us a review, I'm going to read it, right? I've, this is what I've been doing. You guys have been great with reviews. We have four more quick ones today, so let's get through that. And then we'll get into this Kansas City Chiefs news and then, of course, the doom and gloom because we want to wallow. <laughs> All right. Ron, the show, and, and Brit's crossover. This is from a Chiefs fan since the late 80s. I just started listening to the podcast this season and have found I really enjoy them. I have not been a fan of talk radio in the past, and I am dreading the upcoming offseason. And since you read these on air, I would like to make a request. Can we get the Brits and Ron the Show Hughley together on a crossover show? I am pretty sure if they discussed anything, it would be the best show of the season. Well, uh, first of all, apologize to all the other shows. I mean, apparently we're not good enough for the crossover show, but I appreciate it. And I actually like the idea. (laughs) So I think one, write this down, Steve, one week next season, we're going to mix and match partners for one week, maybe the week before the bye week. Let's look at the schedule and make sure it's not a huge game, maybe one of these throwaway games, but we'll mix and match. We'll have someone go with Ron. That's not Matt Stagner. Someone will join John. That's not me. Maybe one of the Brits can join one, either Ron or, or BK. Serta, we can make a host for all those giggles I know you fans love, and uh, that'll be a nice mix-up week. So uh, an idea on the fly, and thank you to Chiefs fans since the late 80s. We don't know your name, but uh, you've been around a while. All right, Braden Wiley came in with this one. I like chicken. I like liver. Meow mix. Meow mix. Please deliver. I I have a feeling you just wanted me to say that. Uh, need more stupid people that are football genius. Every great podcast, radio show, or someone dumb that everyone else can raz, making the rest of us feel normal. Bold prediction. This isn't right, but this was his bold prediction. We win the Super Bowl. Andy Reid retires and passes on the reins to EB, and that's why he hasn't gotten a gig anywhere else. Boom. Also, for the record, I would hate that. Keep up the great work. All right, thank you, Braden. Keep it going with Dana Saria. I so look forward to the podcast each week. Brad and Tom are snort laugh hilarious. They know my Chiefs. I was born and raised in Kansas City, the thought that there is an appreciation for the Chiefs in the UK makes me smile. I revel in their insight, details of the game, and thoughtful discussion. Next time in the UK, love to buy you a pint to thank you. Take care nice. and go Chiefs uh, from Dana. And she is from a suburb of Kansas City in Lake Lottawana, Missouri. So thank you to Dana for that. And uh, look, I-, I guess you'll have to email or tweet them. I know that the Brits love them some Twitter. So if you want to connect with them and you're going to, to Big Ben, we're talking about the clock, not the man. Um, <laughs> you connect with them and uh, get yourself a free beer. Important Last distinction one. there. Yeah, they were yeah, very important. <laughs> I don't even know what the, the man's doing. Uh, they won't take my name. Uh, I guess tough, tough time submitting a username. So coast to coast uh, really enjoyed uh, the new coast to coast show. Bet the house. Mm. So 
our our short short lived show it's only gonna have two episodes it seems like <laughs> until next season but i uh i agree i thought that that mark and aaron did a fantastic job and a great late addition a better late than never never late is better addition to the Arrowhead pride podcast network but the expectation is that they will do one final show like everyone this week and we will resume with them when training camp begins so that's not really going oh, anywhere cool. so if you uh all right but it is going it's it's going goodbye for a little while so we'll uh, we'll see what what ends up happening with that all right it's the Arrowhead pride editor show we have reached the month of february it is february 1st and the chiefs are out of the mix so we're going to dive into the news we'll talk about this game a little bit more and uh again john hopefully you've you've gotten some of those tissues that the stores no longer have because <laughs> uh, i know you're going to be tearful about it but here we go uh let's go to chiefs news mike kafka the current a quarterbacks coach, pass game coordinator for the Chiefs. He is reportedly a finalist for a New York Giants offensive coordinator job. There's two other finalists in this. It's Cleveland Browns wide receiver coach Chad O'Shea and Houston Texans quarterback coach uh, Pep Hamilton. So this is the, the second time or second or third time now, I believe, that Kafka has gotten attention. I, I remember when the Eagles had an offensive coordinator position open, he had been flirted out for that. Andy Reid actually blocked it. This was back in the day where you could block these type of things if you promoted that person in within your own uh, team. So Andy Reid added pass game coordinator to him and was able to block it. Those rules have since changed, and it's it's actually been in the spirit, the same spirit as the Rooney rule, even though Mike Kafka, of course, is a, a former white quarterback. Brandon Kiley of Show and BK, he noted this on Twitter. Mike Kafka played for the New England Patriots in 2013 when Brian Dable, now the new head coach of the New York Giants from the Buffalo Bills, uh, he was on the staff at the time. So there could be a relationship uh, there. Okay. So I, I think that adds a, another significant layer to it. And, and a shout out to BK, BK Sports Talk on Twitter, great contributor for us, who's actually started to do some written work that's actually really, really good. So check that out at our at pride.com. Yeah. Had one but, this morning. Yeah, a, a, a good note by BK, because I, I think we always hear more times than not, the NFL is a small circle. It's a small fraternity. It is this relationship business. And that makes me believe that Kafka's got a pretty good chance to land this gig. What do you think, John? Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I would totally agree with that. And you know what? The NFL isn't different than any other business. It always amuses me when people talk about Andy Reid being too loyal to his assistant coaches uh, and refusing to make changes because they're his pals. But I don't know anybody who wouldn't do the same thing in that circumstance. If you were the head coach of a football team, you would want people you knew and trusted to be your assistants. And it's the same in any other business that this is what people do. They like to have people around them that they, that they know that they trust. And so it shouldn't be surprising when these kinds of hires are made. And I agree. I think this is a, a pretty good sign that Kafka could get the job uh, since yeah. they've got that connection going back there. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it does, you know, there are contributors at Arrowhead Pride that are here because I happen to know that, that they did good work in other, other places. Sure. And we, we do have some that submitted an application and I, I thought they did a nice job, but that happens. And I think you're right. I, I think it's important to point that that happens out in, in, in every industry and you're always going to be more comfortable having seen that person in a work environment before. Mm -hmm. I know sure. John that you have these type of friends. I have these type of friends that look, I, I love them. 
do I want to work with them? No, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Now there's friends that I've worked with that I don't want to work with anymore. I, I would never offer, you know, a gig and there's friends that I've worked with who did a nice job. Like I, Steve comes to mind. I know we're making this very much about ourselves, but he, I knew Steve did a good job at the radio station. We brought him here to Arrowhead pride. He's killing it here at Arrowhead pride. I've seen yes, that. He is. So yeah. if you see it, and you can kind of see, okay, they did a good job in this place. We know what we're getting in a sense. Yeah, it's an unfair advantage. And that goes into a bigger conversation in the NFL about nepotism and relationships sure. and how, how you start to change that as well. Bottom line here, in this situation, I think the Chiefs are on the verge of losing who they consider mm-hmm. a very valuable piece to the coaching staff. So let's not forget. Mike Kafka has sort of been with Patrick Mahomes every step of the way. If you remember, we're going all the way back to 17. Week 17 started against the Denver Broncos. Chiefs were preparing, I believe it was for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, um, or it was, it might have been the Tennessee Titans. I'm, I'm misremembering or whatever. But uh, one of those teams, they were preparing for the playoff team. It was Nagy and, and Peterson. I believe it was Nagy um, that was uh, working on the playoff team. Mike Kafka ended up being the quote unquote O coordinator for Mahomes and has really been with him every mm-hmm. step of the way. Yeah. And there is a disconnect, I think, between the impact the enemy has had being a running guy and more so the quarterbacks coach. Because if you really look at the head coaching tree that's developed from Andy Reid, both head coaches are no longer with their teams, but Doug Peterson had been the quarterbacks coach. Matt Nagy had been the quarterbacks coach. It does look like Peterson's going to re enter the league, but he ended up going to the Eagles. A naggy with the bears is no longer with the team. What I mean is I, I think a lot of people might see that track and say, that's might be the real guy that we want because they're working very closely with Eric the enemy or with Patrick Mahomes, whereas the enemy might be more of a global type of impact on it. I, again, you find this out more than interviews than, than anything else on a, on a greater point. What I, I think it screams is that, the enemy once again is going to be the O coordinator next year. I, I don't think Mike Kafka would have this opportunity, this budding opportunity if the enemy had landed or uh, thought was thought to be in the mix for legitimately landing a head coach job. And the only one we know about right now is the interview with the Denver Broncos. I'm beginning to worry and significantly worry here that this window, just like it did for Dave Tobe, it, it, it's closing. And, uh, you know, if you get one this year, do you really expect that he'll get another one and to a greater extent land it next year? I just have a hard time wrapping my head around that at this juncture. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to imagine how it's going to play out. I mean, the Chiefs obviously would like for Biennemi to move on, and I don't think it's because they don't like Biennemi or they think he's doing a poor job. They just have other people they want to keep moving through. That's been the pattern. You know, we we start these guys out with small jobs and they move up. Brett Veach moved up from a small job. You know, the uh, enemy moved up. All As you just noted, these quarterbacks coaches, you know, start out in that position and end up as offensive coordinators for the Chiefs. It's just a, a train that they want to keep rolling through the, the coaching staff, not so much because they don't want to keep these guys, but it puts them in a better position if, guys do leave you know if you've got that kind of thing going on you've got guys who've been preparing behind them 
yeah. to take on these other jobs. It's it's just like it's like having depth on a football team. It's basically you know assistant yeah. coach depth. And, and <laughs> I think and you know we're paid to an extent to do this. We're always thinking of like what is the reason and mm-hmm. and yeah, the the Chiefs could think that be, they want the enemy out of the out of the room for two reasons it doesn't have to be one or the other they can think he he deserves to be a head coach and sure. i i truly believe that they believe that yeah i also think there is a bottlenecking going on i've said it in a few mm-hmm. places when asked about this where the andy reed likes to keep that train moving because i'm sure mm-hmm. that there's guys that he likes beyond uh, what would be kafka to maybe make the quarterbacks coach and he sure. just has not had the opportunity to be, to be able to do that and i don't know what the proper solution is there right so is there a a, a o coordinator gig that the enemy could get that he could call more more plays because i know there's arguments about how much of an impact he has on play calling we know andy reed calls majority most of the plays right it's it's andy reed shape is there a job out there that's better for him and then at the same time it's like can the enemy even get that job we don't we don't know what the answer is but right now outside looking in seems like there's going to be a standstill and we'll see if kafka ends up leaving the Chiefs and you wouldn't blame him at that point because it does at this point at least with with the Chiefs and trying to move up feel like there is kind of a stronghold on that old coordinator position until something significant changes which it's not you know I, I think yeah. that's it any so. of us would do the same thing if we were in a job and we felt that we couldn't move up into the job above right. us we'd we'd be anxious to find another job elsewhere so you can't blame Kafka for this Although, you know, they may have reached, it's not like he was necessarily looking for the job. They may have reached out to him. But point is that you can't blame Kafka for making this move if this is what how it actually plays out. All right, John, that is the news right now. We're not going to get a lot of significant news uh, for what should be a bit. And I'm sure we'll get some here and there with, with the Chiefs retaining some of their own. But uh, for a bit until, you know, we really get going with the full offseason, which happens after the Super Bowl. But I want to uh, cast a wide net here, and, and I know that Chiefs fans are, are going through it right now, and I figured it would be good to kind of turn inside to see how we are feeling. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the show, but coming out of, of Sunday, John, it, this is almost a marinated wide net. How are you just feeling and, and taking this loss in, and, and what do you feel like it means in, in the course of Chiefs history, looking back and looking forward? You know, I feel I feel pretty grateful, you yeah. know, that the, the team is good enough that uh, they can be in this position every year. I'm terribly disappointed, you know, uh, tempered with, you know, get the, the, the season is tough on us. I'll, you know, mm-hmm. I have to say that, you know, it's tough on us, uh, you know, to put in 60 or 70 hours a week at this gig. Uh, through the season so in some ways it's a relief but it's also i'm still a fan though you know i was still upset when the game was over and and the chiefs had had blown this opportunity uh to win the game but i'm grateful that we're here you know there's a lot of teams that never get this far much less be in a position to uh uh to go to the Super Bowl, you know, that there's a lot of teams that don't make the playoffs for years and years and years. Look at, look at the Bengals. Yeah. You know, I feel good for them. Right, They've right. had an even longer wait for a playoff victory than the chiefs had. And so I can really identify with how they're feeling right now. 
But, um, you know, I'm just I'm just glad that we're at this point now. It's so much different than it used to be where you pretty much knew you're going to lose that first playoff game. <laughs> right. I think it, it's it's twofold for me because I think it's just very impressive by this organization. And I, I think it starts with Andy and Clark and you know Clark making the move to Andy and then really starting with Andy to change the culture. It's really impressive that this is a fan base now that expects to be in the Super Bowl. Mm, I think going right. back to what what you were saying, and and that's where I agree. You were forever right, just hoping to play playoff football, and you really saw in thirteen with the coming of Andy Reid a change in expectation. That's so hard to pull off in the NFL, especially with the parity and teams falling out of the playoffs and stuff. To get to a point where like, okay, we're making the postseason. Can we win? a damn game here and then it's like okay can we get over the patriots and and you you start to embrace more and more challenges and then it's to a point of we better win the damn super bowl this team is good enough and it's a problem that you in a sense create you wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for andy <laughs> reed right so it's right. hard to to get upset in these moments when he's made you having an issue with that in a sense now what I'll say is it's it's hard to to get even at this point. And I feel like there is a a a pressure and you have to um, a, a privilege of getting there and you have to take advantage when you're there. And now we've seen last year where they're at a Super Bowl and the depth just it just did not hold up. And we saw what happened in that Super Bowl. And then you get to this point. And I think what's what's really hard to swallow about this is to me of the four teams left, the Chiefs were certainly certainly the best team. yeah and they agree yeah they by far had the best quarterback um remaining yeah. and when you get to this point and this is what i think hurts me the most right now is i thought i think we were so sure that patrick mahomes would be able to go and with the career of tom brady and maybe make a run at that and i think what we've lost with this season to me is i just it's hard. It's getting harder and harder for me to wrap my head around Mahomes getting into the five, six, seven numbers when it's been such a tough road to even get to two. Now, there's a long road ahead. But I think when he got that first one, we were like, damn, this guy might win four or five. Who knows? Maybe he'll mess mm -hmm. around and get to seven. And I I just think at this point, you you would feel and it's and it's a great career, right? I mean, it's amazing if you're able to get to two or three or whatever it's going to be. I just think you're you've you're kind of starting to get clear expectations. With, like there are other quarterbacks in the AFC who can play with him. I mean, I still think he's the best, but Joe Burrow is impressive. Yeah, um, he is. Lamar Jackson, a former MVP. We know Josh Allen can play with him. Josh Allen almost pulled this thing off. And so, where I thought Mahomes would be this this huge obstacle. I was going to prevent these other quarterbacks from winning titles in his career, like being that Tom Brady. I'm just significantly less confident in that now. And I think that's the biggest loss for me is that I, I was so sure that he might have that legacy. And now I just don't know anymore. And, and I know it's a long road, but I, that's kind of where I ended up after this. this well, loss yeah, here. I'm going to push back on that a little bit for you okay. pete maybe i can make you feel a little better i told All you right. yesterday that i had written 500 words in an article that i'd thrown out i and those i do need some therapy when it comes to this so i welcome it yeah those 500 words were about the new england patriots i had gone in uh, in a, the piece i wrote on monday 
yeah. about uh, Andy Reid, you know, needing to start, learn the same lesson as Patrick Mahomes. I had done a little bit of work comparing the Patriots to the Chiefs, and then I got interested in what the Patriots' postseason record was. And I'd written, you know, a description of what they did between 2001 and 2019. Hmm. And I, I think people know this, but I think it's bears repeating that the Patriots didn't win a Super Bowl between 2004 and 2014. Ten years, yeah. they didn't win a Super Bowl. And they were they were in the playoffs in almost all of those years. And yep. they were in the conference championship a couple of times in those years and lost it. Um, and they were in a Super Bowl and lost it during those years. So that tells you a couple of things. The, the first three Super Bowl wins were in Brady's first five seasons, I think it was. And the last three were in uh, the last five. So it was so there was this big hole in the middle mm -hmm. where they didn't get all the way there. So you're saying so maybe I, there's an early hole here. Right. Right. I'm okay. well, I'm saying I'm saying that that if you're talking about a career that could be 10 to 20 years. Yeah. And I know I think it's perfectly reasonable to think that Patrick Mahomes could play into his early 40s just like Brady has. I mean, mm -hmm. he's probably taken better care of himself now than Brady did when he was Mahomes' age. So I don't think it's unreasonable to think that, that Mahomes could have a 20-year career. I think it's way too early to say that he'll never have seven rings, that he'll never meet that record. I think it's way too early to say that he can't get eight. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, these, you know, it's not going to be the same as what the, the Patriots did. It's not. Right. But the point is that you could have a pretty long drought in there and still come back at the end and do something totally amazing. That's just the the nature of the beast. So that point that point about Patrick Mahomes eating makes me laugh because Tom Brady just finally officially retired before we got on here. Yeah. And Sports <laughs> Center put out this video of it's almost like take a, a picture every year and they they posted his transformation. By the way, this guy looks great at 45. He did not look great when he was 21 or wherever they started it. He yeah. was pudgy, and yeah. it seems like the TB, TB12 thing came somewhere along the road as opposed to coming out of college. I mean, he had a fat face. I mean, he looks better now at 45 than he did did then. So, yeah, I mean, I, I probably agree. I think a lot of quarterbacks realize now you got to take better care of your body, and maybe who knows by then. Mahomes could play until he's 50. He's gone on record in saying that he – wants to play all the way you know through to that we'll see i think he has at least what 15 seasons left if he stays sure. healthy you know knock on wood you got always got to be careful with the injury stuff but my goodness uh yeah a lot of time on this left and that that's what i was kind of prefacing with it but i just i mean it, winning seven championships is so hard but i think you're right in noting that there was a gap there and it is something that is a little bit forgotten because you know you look back at at just the how impressive it was for them to win six i mean it was six over 20 mm -hmm. years so mm -hmm. there were certainly some losing seasons mixed in with well, that. and and i think the reason we forget it is that they were they were a contender every year yeah you know that all those years they didn't win the super bowl they were still going to the playoffs people were right. still saying new england patriots tom brady bill belichick and I think the same is going to be true for Mahomes and Andy Reid and whoever follows Andy Reid. I mean, we're talking about a 20-year career for Mahomes. 
then we're also talking about a coach that follows Andy Reid and all probably that is that is a difference if the Chiefs are to type go on this type of yep. run with Mahomes uh that will be different from the Patriots certainly yep. at some mm-hmm. point here Andy who's in his early to mid 60s will have to pass the torch uh, whereas Bill Belichick was the the head coach throughout that run okay we're not going to go into the Andy Reid press conference as we usually do by playing the sound because Andy and Brett Veach had press conferences. We're just going to talk about them. If you want to listen to them in detail, this is of course the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. You can go to From the Podium. Steve's been taking care of that for us. If you want to hear the sit down with Andy Reid, which happened on Monday, and then the Brett Veach uh, sit down, which happened on Tuesday. Andy went about 20 minutes and Veach went about 40 minutes. So it actually yeah. was a, a pretty, I think, extensive look into how they're feeling right now. And I I commend the Chiefs PR department for just kind of letting us us go with that because sometimes they're in a little bit of a rush. But when there's no game to play, I guess you can kind of you can kind of do it. I thought Andy Reid, John, from his press conference, of course, subdued. It, it seemed like the grand takeaway for me is that he was expressing to the players that this is kind of final. And that's the toughest part of this where, you know, we're never going to be the same team again. Uh, I think it, it stood out that he wasn't committing to bringing back Tyron Matthew. He wasn't committing to bringing back Orlando Brown or, or any of really of the coaching staff. I, I think he probably had heard about this giants thing because it was a little bit weird about the enemy Kafka thing that he was asked about um, talked a little bit, about what went wrong against the Cincinnati Bengals. He very clearly was not about, like I've heard in some stations, to to go in on Patrick Mahomes and the problems that he had. He was taking all the blame, which is to be expected by now. But I, I thought a, a pretty normal postseason press conference for Andy Reid. I, again, I think the biggest thing that stood out was noncommittal about the roster. And uh, I think that comes from you know being careful but also an understanding of how the business works as, as much as I think he wants Tyron Matthew to be on the team. They have to always think team first because this is a salary cap league. This was like, baseball. maybe he could go up there and be like, yeah, I'll spend Clark Cunt's money, but there's some strategy to it, right? You can only pay certain guys so much. And so he's not going to get up there and guarantee that anyone is going to be here. And, and that's what's tough. And, uh, you know, he's, he, he has said fin- finality a lot, you know, in recent days. And I think when you have these Super Bowl expectations, you're always just assuming while you're watching this Bengals game, man, Tyron's going to be here. What are you guys talking about? And now you like kind of might have watched his last game as a chief, which is just hard to fathom. I think there's a two prong thing here. I think that Andy doesn't really know exactly all the ins and outs of the salary cap situation. It's not really up to him, you know, to know these things. Brett Veach is the guy who knows those things. Right. And he never wants to say anything that might turn out not to be true later. He doesn't want to embarrass Veach. He doesn't want to embarrass a player, himself, anybody. So he's never very willing to talk about those kinds of things. And there's an additional problem. I think this is going to be a really difficult offseason for the Chiefs. They don't have a whole lot of cap space. They got a lot of decisions to make. Right. From where Andy Reid's sitting, he may not have any idea how this is going to play out. And there's a little bit, I think, of confusion when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. And we don't really, I think, have a crystal clear understanding necessarily about how his guarantee mechanism thing works. I see different things (laughs) all the time on Twitter about how much cap space we clear. Like, are we really sure about any of that until it happens? I mean, I don't know. 
and again, now we're <laughs> getting to Brett Veach and, and he had a press conference on Tuesday and I want to talk about that, but he seemed like he's going to be up against it a little bit and they're going to have some tough decisions mm-hmm. to make when, yeah. and I, and with all the money that I saw floated out there on Monday about all this money that Pat Mahomes was going to clear, I don't know if that's necessarily a done given deal based upon the way that Veach sounded at least. And, and there were some takeaways in the sense that I think a little bit more clarity when it came to Andy Reid's words, because Andy wouldn't go in any direction as we, we noted there, but Veach went very much in on the idea that the 25 year old Orlando Brown is here to stay one mm-hmm. way or another. Mm-hmm. I think since last offseason when they traded for Brown, this was always going to be a franchise tag situation. I got that feeling from the press conference earlier on Tuesday that uh, they'll either bring him on a long-term deal or, or more certainly, again, do the franchise tag. I think Tyron Matthew is going to be a, another negotiation, and it, it seems like and Veach wouldn't go as far as to reveal what they're thinking, but it seems like they have a very real, tangible, feasible number in their head. And I don't know. I just got the impression that they don't believe that Tyron is going to accept that. And, you know, when you think about the player, you, you in a sense can understand it. We don't know how much of a difference of a number there is. And maybe that number is just far too low than how Tyron feels that, that he should be paid and compensated. And in a sense, I know that, players look at these numbers and they want to be respected in the sense. And I don't know, I'm not optimistic that they're going to, they're going to be necessarily close enough to get this done. And I, I think that's a very sad part potentially of this, this coming off season here. Yeah. But you know, Veach went out of his way to talk about how much Tyron loves this city yeah. and loves this locker room and loves having his family here, you know, all of those things. We've heard this before, of course, and thought, oh, yeah, this yeah. player is going to be inclined to take a smaller deal, and then they don't. So <laughs> I don't know that it necessarily means anything, Yeah. but I also think, you know, from listening to Tyron Matthew talk over the last three years as a Kansas City Chief, that he's kind of different yeah. uh, than some of the other players. I mean, yes, he's got that ego and that drive, and he... And he wants to be respected by, you know, other players in the league, et cetera. But there also seems to be kind of a, I don't know, a Zen-like quality to the way like, he looks at this stuff. Meditation and, and yoga yeah. and just deeper thinking. And I think that's come as he's developed into an adult. And yeah, I, I don't know. He wears his heart on, on his sleeve quite a bit. So sure. There is a who really knows aspect to this because right, right. At the end of right. the day, it, it sounds like you know there is, even if it's small, a room for these two guys to mm-hmm. get together, the representation and the Chiefs, and figure out and hammer out a deal. I don't know. That's the tough part about having a salary cap. You have to really mm-hmm. weigh value yeah. and and tough part with Tyron, I think, especially is there's so much value that's not in numbers. Right. So right. And this is what price on this- that. This is what's aggravating fans, you know, is that they look at the production from the box score that we get from Matthew and say, well, he's not worth the money. Okay, that's fair. You know, if you want to make that calculation, Um, I personally don't think those calculations help much because Mm -hmm. on any NFL team, you're always going to have guys who are not living up to the salaries. That's just the nature of the free agent marketplace. But 
Matthew's value is way beyond what's in the box score. That's the bottom yeah. line. And it and it is worth wondering out loud what impact he had on Charvarius Ward and Legarius Need and Rashad Fenton as far as their development. I mean, you're always looking for players to develop fast. I think he rose their level in individual games, but I also think he probably expedited their development into feasible guys to start. Like, do we really in our heart think that Legarius Need is as damn good as he is right now on the inside and the outside and understanding the defense of Tyron Matthew is not on this team? I don't think so. I, I mean, you don't uh, yeah. know for sure. It's such a hypothetical, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I could agree with that. And so it's a point to watch. We know that Brown will be here in some form or fashion. Matthew remains something to watch. Melvin Ingram remains something to watch. He also talked about Melvin Ingram and what Ingram desires and, and being off the one-year deal. I got the feeling from Beach's words that Melvin Ingram, regardless of the decision he makes, it won't come maybe toward the end of training camp because my man does not want to go to training camp anymore. And I don't blame you. I don't want to go to training camp anymore, <laughs> driving up to St. Joe every day. And it seems like he's kind of over with that part of his career. So I think he'll be someone to watch and, you know, kind of keep an eye on the chief salary cap and see if they leave a little room there because maybe he, he doesn't want to necessarily have to go and live in the dormitories at St. Joe, but maybe is that impact player that comes a few games in or at the end of training camp or in the middle of training camp, something like that, something weird like that. Uh, I think regardless of where he goes, whether it's back with the Chiefs or somewhere else, I don't think Melvin Ingram necessarily is someone that's going to sign right away. I think that's fair. And I also want to point out that uh, he won't be that expensive. He signed right. in Pittsburgh for what, total of $4 million or something. Some bad pipes today, John. Something's going on with your pipes, but that's okay. No, I, I, I think Ingram was a huge part of the Chiefs' defensive turnaround, and yeah. it, it remains to be seen if they can can retain him. Other things that that stood out, um, Beach was very clear in saying that this is going to be a defensive offseason, right? Yeah. So there's mm -hmm. been one about the quarterback. There's been one about the offensive line, getting that fixed. For what it's worth, this was a tough uh, offensive line to turn around in, in a sense to do that in one offseason and have this successful offensive line and to get back to what was the final four really hard now it's the defense i think you have a lot of questions there anthony hitchens i don't expect to be back with this team i don't expect frank clark to be back with this team i know that there's been floating around that, that maybe he could take a pay cut i i've covered clark i just i i just don't think he will maybe i'm wrong yeah. hopefully i'm wrong i i don't i don't think he will if, I don't see him the same way that I see Tyron Matthew in that respect. Right. But I don't I mean, see Frank Clark saying, yeah, I want to stay here. Get, I'll pay. I'll take less money. I don't see that. Yeah. You understand why Brett Beach is saying this is going to be a defensive offseason because just look at those three names. Let's just assume oh, they're all gone. Clark, Hitchens, and Matthew. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been people that have been unhappy with all three of these guys at different times right. in their Chiefs mm -hmm. career. But the one thing we can all agree on is these guys have been pillars. They were pillars of the championship mm -hmm. run that they went on. And, yep. and so we rely on a lot of young players. And Chris Jones is going to have to be a focal point of that. Who knows if Jaron Reed, don't forget Jaron Reed was on the, the one-year deal. And, and he didn't play great at the beginning. But then you surrounded him. He played a little bit better. We don't know about Ingram. Linebacker core. I know that a lot of fans want to say goodbye to Daniel Sorensen and Ben Neiman. We'll see if even they're with the team. We know Juan Thornhill's likely to be there. We know about the young cornerbacks. Veach actually, I think, cleared up some of that that fan cornerback theory where 
you know, they say that he doesn't necessarily invest in quarterbacks. And I, what Veach was essentially saying is like, we haven't had an opportunity to take a good one that we liked and that, that all the medicals cleared out and we felt good about it at the positions we've been in. A lot of these cornerbacks go high in the draft. Right. The, Chief, mm-hmm. the Chiefs win. The Chiefs win. Right. So it's someone has to fall in that 30 range. The value has to be there. And they got to feel good about them fitting with Steve Spagnolo and the scheme. And I, I, I think, and I've, I've been, I, I, I want to admit here, like I've said it on the radio before, the Chiefs theory is not to invest in cornerbacks. And he kind of explained it in a way today that made a lot of sense. And Beach, to his credit, is usually very straightforward with us. And so I, I really bought into it unless you're really going to trade up into the top 15 and then you're you're sacrificing some capital and we've seen the chiefs willing to trade then it's hard to get a cornerback in the draft that you really like and then he made another good point when it says you know we're up against the cap because of pat mahomes and everyone that we're paying here we had clark on the books for so long these guys cost a lot to get right so i mean if you're i know the chiefs were if you remember john they were invested in maybe trying to trade for jalen ramsey you're trying to sign him. That's another expensive piece. Now, mm-hmm. it's probably worth it, but I, I think we've just assumed over the years because they've made these fringe players work at cornerback that they just have this theory where we're not going to invest money or draft capital at the, the position. And I don't know. I came away from that one of those final questions with Beach today feeling like oh, maybe we've just been really wrong about that, you know? You know, as I listened to Veach talk today, this is kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, it struck me that um, people who are not NFL general managers, but follow the league, right. You know, follow the draft, you know, uh, are find this part of it. Interesting. They're always big on making rules. You don't take <laughs> a running back in the first round. Yeah. You know, you use the seventh round to get depth and special teams players. You do this, you do that. Oh, you never do that. Oh, you never do this. And listening to Veach today, I was struck by how open he is about everything and how many plans that they have. Yeah, yeah. That he, he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't have those rules. He's always thinking about okay, we do this, but that means we have to do this, and you know, then this. And I, I think that's really cool, and I think that's the way you have to be, because on draft day, you have no idea how this is going to play out. You have no idea what player is going to be available to you. John, you know this. Well, choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure, right? Right, right. Back in the day. Old school game. Exactly. So that was one of the things that struck me listening to him today. And it's not the first time that he's said things like that, but it particularly hit me today listening to him talk. He just doesn't buy into any of these rules. You know, he he's about developing something that will work no matter what happens. And I think that's one of the reasons that, I think I think he's going to be a good general manager over the course of his career. I know a lot of people had trouble with his first couple of years, but I think last year he showed that uh, he really can do this job well. I'm going to give you guys a bonus here. Here's a 2028 storyline. Ready? Ready for it? I'm, I'm, <laughs> come with me to the future. Can Brett Veach do it without Andy Reid? Can Patrick Mahomes do it without Andy Reid? Because when Reid is done, that's going to be another proving ground for both of these guys. Mm-hmm. And that'll be an yep. aspect of, of the career that we talked about. We talked about it with Brady and Belichick. Could Brady do it without Belichick? So far, yes. And now he can ride off into the sunset. Can Belichick do it without Brady? Well, he can make the playoffs without Brady. Can he win another Super Bowl? Stay tuned. So that'll certainly right. be a storyline. Last thing from Beach, I just want to say quickly, and this is a, a shame. 
And who knew that we would be blaming o- Odell Beckham Jr. for no Chiefs Super Bowl? But he clearly wanted OBJ. Um, I asked a, a question that was more so, you know, do you need a third weapon? And he brought up OBJ and his impact on the Rams. And I don't think he's doing that. And if he didn't legitimately want him, which we had heard about from several people in Kansas City, he ended up choosing the LA Rams and has made an impact. And I have just have a hard time believing that he doesn't make a three point difference in a Chiefs game against the Rams. Now, it's a grand hypothetical, but to me, I came away being like, oh my God, if he had chosen the Chiefs, do they win that game? And I, I don't know. I mean, you think about Kelsey and Hill and OBJ. <sighs> Hard for me not to say yes. Where do you fall on that, John? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I, I just hate those kinds of hypotheticals because it seems like most of the time they don't work out like you think they will. You know, we're going to get this fantastic player and it, the hype never seems to to match what actually occurs now there was an injury yeah, in, LA, in, in on, robert woods so who knows if it necessarily yeah. works here but uh yeah i don't know i just i just have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that obj and having him on the field as mahomes is trying to find anyone open and like what doesn't lead to another first down and it's not like they lost by a hundred they lost by 30. right right no. well i it, mean i yeah it could have made three points of difference i don't disagree with that i just I don't know. I, I those kinds of games just I just never know what to say about them because the, there's so many things that would change, and you never know how a player is going to thrive or not on a particular playing field with a particular coach with particular teammates. You know what is what does OBJ do to Tyreek Hill? You know how yeah. does that affect what he is able to do? You know that's a question, and uh, we don't know the answer to it. So, yeah. uh, and you know, I, I just, I just have a hard time. I'm like Veach. I'm looking at all these different factors I, and, you know, I, can't, I, I mean, can't, I, I can, I understand where you're coming from. That twists me up. It twisted me up today. I mean, I just felt <laughs> like they wanted him and who knows where they'd be if they had gotten it. I, I yeah. know that they pursued aggressively. So who knows? All right. We'll get a little bit more into that game. Our marinated takeaways, our last, it's our last world famous marinated takeaways of the season coming up you're listening to the airhead pride editors show vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is you know the actual travel experience because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home you need a tool to get the most out of your time away that's where viator steps in You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. It takes time. It takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We're 45, 46 minutes in, and we are now getting to our marinated takeaways from this game. Womp, womp, womp. If you want to have a good rest of your day, just just, just shut us off and, and go on and enjoy. <laughs> but if you want to if you want to stay and talk a little bit more about this 27-24 AFC title loss, we have some marinated takeaways. John, the last time in the 2021 season, let's go to you. It's a close game. You know, that's what I keep coming back to. Yeah. is how nearly this game could have gone the other way. That was true of the Bills game of t- two, of course. And, uh, you know, the the really frustrating thing, I think, for a lot of fans to soak up was winning the coin toss and then uh, giving up that interception. And it wasn't even Mahomes' fault, really, uh, other than throwing into double coverage. Um, that was, a, a one of those things you just can't expect to happen and you can't really blame on the quarterback, but man, you never want ever to give up an interception on the first drive of overtime. I mean, that is like the one thing that you don't ever want to do in the NFL is especially, to give up a turnover in the in overdrive. Get- Especially giving giving Bills fans an opportunity to say that Patrick Mahomes threw an interception 13 seconds into overtime and and having some fun with that. I I actually have exactly the opposite marinated takeaway, and I'll explain. My thing is, it wasn't a close game. And what I mean Mm. by that is this game script, I, I think if it was more like the Buffalo Bills game, maybe Patrick Mahomes and this offense doesn't have a chance to get out of sync. I think there was a shift in mentality when they were up 21 to three. And I just think that it, there was a feel in the building. I was there and there was a feel in the press box. I was feeling it. I'm like, my God, should I book my fight to LA? Like, is it, you know what I mean? And then I don't know. There just were, were little moments where things started to tip and you started to feel like, okay, there was a sense of momentum completely shifting. And I just think if it was a closer game instead of 21 to three, like let's say when the P Ryan touchdown happens, that ties the game. I just don't know how it plays out in the second half. I just think it was the chiefs building up. There's a little bit of that coast a little bit. And I don't know if you can get that type of energy back. I also know that there's very clearly some X's and O's to this. Whereas, the Buffalo, or I should say the Cincinnati Bengals in the second half completely changed their game plan in a sense to kind of play Mahomes into that hero ball, which he mm-hmm. fell into and it ended up being a disaster. But I just think the feel of the game is different. Like, say it is a closer game and and the, the Bengals and the Chiefs do go blow for blow in the first half. Do the Bengals in the second half make that many defensive adjustments, radical defensive adjustments? I don't probably know. Not. Right. Yeah. And if the mm-hmm. Chiefs and 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 maybe they end up pulling it out in an overtime game as opposed to what was a team has the whole momentum then b suddenly has it and they just ride it all the way home i i don't know and again i I said it 700 times on this damn show 
uh, we're talking in so many hypotheticals, but I just I have a hard time getting away from the fact of, man, if the Bengals were playing a little bit better in the first half, did the Chiefs win? I know that's such a weird thing to say, <laughs> but that's kind of how I feel. Well, but uh, we've talked about that before, about how you can't afford to piss Patrick off. Yeah. You know, that 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 drive to come back uh, really is a big piece of what's made him successful. I'll 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 jump on your train here, Pete. Let me let me just try this okay. one on you. Suppose the Bengals were thinking that that was one of their options to try and lure Mahomes into Hero Ball. Yeah. And then with five seconds left in the half, Mahomes goes there on his own. He right. talks Andy Reid into leaving the offense out there when they don't have another timeout, which he apparently didn't realize. I know. And he he instead of doing the smart thing, run around right end for a touchdown, or if it was an RPO hand off the damn ball, he tries to throw a pass to Tyreek Hill and they get neither a touchdown or a field goal. So now the Bengals are walking down the tunnel into their locker room and they're saying, geez. Mm -hmm. We should do this. Look what just happened when Patrick Mahomes was trying to play hero ball. Or maybe it occurred to them any after that. I mean, maybe that was why the momentum shifted so much in that moment. I have two comparisons coming to mind. It's like when you're around one, and I guess John would be your grandchildren and me. It's just like my niece or nephew. And they tell a joke that makes all the adults laugh. And they tell the joke for the rest of the afternoon. (laughs) Like when I'm playing pickup basketball in the park and I happen to make like two or three threes in a row, I am jacking them up the rest of the game. I think (laughs) Mahomes was like, I'm out of my way with this freaking defense. And I, it's like, he could not shake that in the second Mm. half for one reason or another. All right. Do you have any more marinated takeaways from this, John? I really had trouble coming up with any. You mentioned that it was hard to do this in a loss. And well, no, it sometimes it, but but in a deflating loss particularly. I mean, you know, we've all been talking about it for several days. I, I I'm having trouble come up with anything new. In fact, uh, the thing that I just mentioned you is the only thing I've come up new. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, this idea that maybe Mahomes led them down that path with the last play before <laughs> halftime. You know, I, I I don't know. It's crazy. It's just it was a crazy situation on so many levels. I think and and this is just a grand takeaway about Patrick Mahomes. I think this is hard for Chiefs fans to wrap their head around now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you can make a case to Mahomes. And this is a this is a case to be made. And, and we'll see if it plays out that way. You can also make a case the other way. But there's a case to be made that this year. And by an extension, this game can make him a more successful quarterback in the long run right Right. because now you can always think about to to this year and say they're going to be constantly changing up looks for me every game to try to take advantage of what i'm not doing well at Mm the time i have to be well in every aspect i need to be good about taking and making the right decision if it is an rpo at the line handing it off i need to be making the right decision whether it's dishing it to what is a check down or throwing downfield i need to know when my decision making has to be better so you saw that in the season he went through a lot of struggles at yeah. the beginning of the year, worked his way through it, and then, and know this is reality, he had a grand relapse in the AFC title game. Probably could have been better coached. That's on the offensive staff. I think Andy Reid deserves a piece of that. Mm-hmm. I also I also feel like, okay, um, Mahomes certainly does, and he, he could learn a lot from the game of like, you know, just staying with the game plan. And and now he's seen those coverages and he's seen how a team can make second half adjustments and how it can impact them. 
he's got to know that 21-3, he now knows forever. That's not enough to take any kind of foot mm-hmm. off the gas or to feel like you won something or to feel like you need to, to play this hero ball. I, I think that can be taken from it. And then I, I think this is to a lesser extent because I think you're, you're blaming the offense. You can't score three points in the AFC title game and expect to win it. But I think that the defense needed to play better as well. I mean, you had five possessions. I know they got a turnover in it, you know, and in the interception. And you really felt like, OK, now the Snead turnover is the, the changing point of the game. Right. They allowed points on three of, of five possessions and allowed the Bengals to take a lead. When your offense is struggling, like we saw suddenly, I think you got to you got to stand up. Now, I think every Chiefs fan, to be fair to the de- defense, would have said, now, I would take 24 to 27 points. I, I feel pretty good about our offense, the way they played against sure. Buffalo Bills, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, But sure. the defense owns a piece of it, too. Uh, I yeah. think the greatest piece probably goes to Mahomes for not being able to mentally kind of get back into the game. But I, I, I think, like I said, hard to fathom now. But there is a mm-hmm. scenario where the Chiefs, and especially Mahomes, are better for this having happened. That is also... 175 well, days until training camp so that's that's the hard part of it look look what happened after the 2018 game you right. know uh mahomes came back super motivated he played in a lot of ways better in 2019 than he did in 2018 even though he didn't put up all the gaudy numbers but yeah. the team was totally motivated after that loss in the afc championship in 2018 who's to say that can't happen again and i'd also like to point out because I spent some time researching the, the Patriots, you know, 18 yeah. year span, uh, you know, there was another game where uh, somebody lost an AFC championship after late le- uh, leading 21 to three at halftime. It was the New England Patriots. And the next year they went 16 and 0 in the oh, regular wow. season. Bop, bop, so bop. now they didn't win the Super Bowl that year. Okay. But they came out and played brilliantly the following season after that experience. So I don't know that, that, you know, there's a lot of things that could change on this team. Okay. But the people who are coming back are not going to forget what happened to them on Sunday. And that could be a, it could be an important factor next season. John, you know, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but you know who did? Steve Spagnuolo, which is a good (laughs) omen to end on here on the Arrowhead Pride editor show if you enjoy the arrowhead pride editor show please leave us a rating and a review i think i speak for john and saying this has been a fun year of shows we again will be coming up with some kind of different off-season plan i'm doing that with steve tomorrow to pull the curtain back so we actually have not knocked that locked down this plan but it's going to be a good plan no matter what uh we know that patrick Mahomes has a lot of tape to watch we have a lot to go through when it comes to the combine and the draft and free agency and we are excited to, to to both post on the website and talk to you about it here in the arrowhead pride editor show coming up this week we'll have everyone do their closing comments on the year great british chief show um the show in bk the coast to coast will have a another piece of this we'll continue with the arrowhead drive for i believe it's the time being we're going to figure that out too uh, but again man thank you for joining us johnny have any thank yous to send out to the the listeners here Oh, well, definitely a thank to you. Thank you to you, Pete, for allowing oh, me to p- be part of this. Sure. I've really come on in. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, I've really enjoyed doing this this year. And um, it's kind of back to my roots. You know, I was oh, yeah. on the air for a long time. And but I never did this. Never did sports talk before. And right, come uh, on in. so 
it's it's been it's been nice to come in and do this with you and i've really enjoyed it so thanks for that opportunity i appreciate no it. problem as john found out and you found out the water was fine here on the <laughs> Pride Radio show. so thank you to john uh behind the scenes uh, steve who you hear on fridays has been cutting this up for us all year so thank you to him thank you to listeners again rate us review us we really appreciate it thank you for joining us on the final edition for 2021 of the arrowhead pride editors show